Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on everybody, this is Chris K from Burning the Red Shirt, here with uh, Andrew P. Katz, and we have, uh, we're doing a little bit of a fun couple segments, I shouldn't say couple, we're doing, ten. I guess what, 10 uh, 10 segments leading up into the uh, season with under 100 days until football is back. So we are going to do some conference previews, and we figured we'd bring Brandon Champion along to, to be our guinea pig, our resident Michigan State uh, fan and uh, uh, source of truth, as well as Big Ten knowledgeable <laughs> guy as well. So, Brandon, appreciate you being the guinea pig and, and hopping on and having some fun with us tonight. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I, I I appreciate the invite. I feel like I'm like the the high A pitcher who gets like called all the way up to the majors, you know, like be on a pod with you guys because you're like, you know, two of the the people I go to for CFF information. You know, <laughs> we contribute, we we compete against each other, obviously, but I consider myself still somewhat of a rookie. So uh an honor to be on with you fellas. Dude, I, I uh yeah, you're the that weird that Braves pitcher with the weird name that got called up tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't. I, yeah, AJ but, uh, AJ Smith saw, solver, but I think he's he gonna, actually good. He's actually he really start? good. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if he's going to start, but he's really good. Yeah, I'm like the guy that uh, the Tigers GM Scott Harris. He loves to sign like these random guys with five ERAs to like entry level contracts, <laughs> and I'm just like, I hope he knows what he's doing. You know, so <laughs> hope you guys know what you're doing. Yeah, Find well, out. awesome. I guess, you know, talking Big Ten, I don't know if you caught the news last week, Brandon, but there was some big scheduling situation things going on. Did you see that Michigan State's going to be playing Penn State at Ford Field? I had a couple thoughts out there on the Bird app, yeah. Um, you know, I'm a season <laughs> ticket holder. I wasn't a huge fan of the news. You know, I'm, a, I'm somewhat of a traditionalist. You know, I like to see my regular season college football played in college football stadium. So I wasn't a huge fan of the move, especially giving up one of our bigger, uh, you know, one of our bigger uh, home games and, you know, people like to crap on the Michigan state Penn state, you know, rivalry, so to speak. But uh, you know, I happen to think that the land grant trophy is the most beautiful trophy in college football. So I was a little sad to see it move out, but I, I guess after thinking about it, talking to people, I get it. You know, they're going to have their own Friday window there. Uh, it has to do with boring TV stuff, but I don't think we really need to get into the weeds why they actually did it. But uh, I, I was going to bring this up if Chris didn't uh, yeah. direct the conversation. You knew there, it was so. coming. One way yeah. or the other. We, we, had a, we had a mind meld there. But, dude, you so you don't need to professionalize it or try and be objective or anything like that. Like, I, I feel you, and I don't know if you got any pushback from fans of other teams, but it, if it, like, how do you think people would react if the – the white that like the whiteout game on CBS for Penn State Iowa was moved to fucking Chicago or some shit. How would Penn State fans feel about that? Or what mm -hmm. if the game was moved to like Indianapolis or some shit? Right? I mean, the, anyone who's pushing back on the on your opinion that one of the what would it would have been four now it's three home Big Ten games that Michigan State hosts year to year. <laughs> is not a big deal for you like that's a huge deal it sucks as a fan right uh yeah. losing one of those so 
I, th- I think it, you're totally in, in the right to ha- uh, have the sentiment that you have. Uh, yeah, it's such I, a it's such a competitive advantage for any home team, you know, like a Michigan State versus a Penn State, and I think most people would agree that Michigan State this year needs as much of an advantage. You know, they're not as as good as years past, but and Penn State's kind of trending, definitely trending towards like the very top or upper piece of the Big Ten. And it sucks, you know, like as a Virginia Tech uh, Virginia Tech fan, like the home games can be brutal. So you look forward to those big games against maybe like Miami or Clemson or something, and then they just take it right away from you. So uh, Andrew and I, we, there's moments in, in Twitter life where we're like, oh, dude, you got to look at this. Like this is happening. Just watch <laughs> this live. And this was one of those moments. But I mean, you were super passionate, but that's college football and college football fans in general. And uh, and for the most part, you weren't wrong at all. And I think anybody that's a college football fan, like super passionate, totally gets it for sure. Yeah. I think us diehards understand, you know, that you know the pageantry of college football. A lot of it is about the atmosphere and the home stadiums. And, you know, two years ago, uh, you know, you guys might remember we, Michigan State, Penn State played in that huge blizzard. And it, it made for one of the more memorable games that I've ever been to, you know, just because of the weather. So if people want to point to, oh, what if Michigan State's, you know, four and six and they're hosting Penn State at night at Spartan Stadium in the middle of a snowstorm, what's the crowd going to look like? Uh, I guess as a one-off in Detroit, it's okay. But uh, I definitely don't want to see this become the norm. That's for sure. A theme for sure. So, All right. So we want to talk Big Ten, obviously. Uh, we have a general idea of, of- – going over the conferences and then going over uh, individual teams that we don't necessarily harp on too much. But I guess, Brandon, going into like the CFF landscape of the whole Big Ten, is there one battle or player or offense that like jumps out to you as like, this is the most interesting thing to me to follow going into week zero or week one? Uh, well, I have a question for you when it comes to the Big Ten, but I'll throw it back at you in a sec here to answer your question. Yeah. I think Penn State is really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a Drew Aller believer. I've got him on, on uh, I think, the Dynasty League that in your guys' BTR Dynasty League, I think I took him. So I'm hoping that he turns into something. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be like this elite quarterback from fantasy standpoint year one, but he should be in the system for a few years. And I guess I'm just curious to see if that offensive line is going to hold up for him, if he's going to have enough time to actually make plays. Cause I also really like Dante Cephas going over there. So those are the kind of to see like if Penn state is actually going to have like that, that game breaking receiver that we've seen them have in the past, you know, John Dotson, like guys like that. Um, I don't know. Cause I feel like they're going to need it if they want to actually, you know, take the next step and, and beat Michigan and, and Ohio state. Cause Penn state's been a very good program for a long time, but, I feel like nationally people are like, yeah, but they don't do this, you know, so they kind of disrespect them a little bit. So I think they finally have, you know, like that five-star talent in multiple positions and it's going to be fun to watch. So I'm, I'm kind of watching that one early on. I think they play West Virginia week one too, don't they? Yeah. I think that's yeah, a, so th- a good matchup for sure to, to start with. I, I agree. I think it's a, uh, a nice uh, early matchup, but I think just generally speaking from a CFF landscape, they feel like a, if you were to reverse the question, if I was to reverse it towards myself, like I think Ohio State to me is super interesting because we don't know necessarily we're getting out of McCord. They have studs across the board. Uh, so like to me, Penn State feels like an Ohio State light, you know, like two great running backs, uh, very capable receiving core. So, and then an unproven but, you know, promising quarterbacks. So I think those are all super interesting. 
Uh, Andrew, any thoughts there or maybe a similar or uh, maybe the question posed to you? I've drafted a, a little bit of OR in best ball so far. I I feel like I saw somewhere that there's the idea that he could, uh, like he's a big body dude who might run it a little bit too. Everyone kind of talks about the arm, but um, he's it, that that would be interesting. I think when you think about his his fancy profile, I also I think largely because uh, I want some money betting his props last year. Like I want KLS to be a thing. Keandre Lambert Smith, mm-hmm. Penn State fans don't necessarily seem to be overly hopeful that it's going to actually happen. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like he he stepped up a, a little bit in flash down stretch last year and. Just to, I read a couple things this spring that made me think that he's going to have every opportunity to step up and kind of be the dude there. Um, what WR one in that offense gets a lot of targets, so he's largely free. So I've, I've been kind of cool taking shots there. Um, and then I I've drafted Nicholas Singleton just mainly because he's cool and he's awesome. And in best ball, you know, you're going to get some insane weeks, but the I like you can get Katron Allen in like round 16 too. So yeah, I don't get the gap between those yeah. two because we're I mean, it's, it's, working it's, in it's tandem just, last year. Yeah. You know? It's just paying a tax for Singleton being super cool. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about my next best ball draft and I, I wrote in pencil that I want to try and get Allen on that team, but we'll see how that goes. Well, you'll have to, to battle me. I have a ton of Katron Allen. Cause I, I think Brandon, you make a great point. Like what's the difference between, Mayan uh, and Travion, why is that gap closer than Katron and Singleton? And I think, honestly, I think the Mayan one should probably be just, uh, like a little bit closer in the gap because it's right now, I would say Singleton and, and Travion are both like third rounders. You might see a guy take them in the second, you might they might fall to fourth, but typically around the third round, they're gone. And then Mayan seems to be like a nine to 12 rounder, whereas Katron's like a 12 to 15 rounder to me. Um, and sometimes I feel like it might be worse than that because I end up taking them. It just feels like such a good, safe pick. Um, so I, I love those options deeper into the, the best balls. Well, like, I mean, just like look at their production last year, man. I, I know you don't want a ton of stats, but I don't, what was the carry difference? Wasn't that different? I mean, what, one, 156 to 167? Catron actually had more carries than Singleton last year. <laughs> I mean, what? Is that true? I, you know, Katron yes. started, yeah, Katron started, I feel like, for a while. And then, because yep. I would always, like, panic. You know, you use Singleton, and they're like, oh, shit, Katron started. <laughs> and then it ends up being fine, because they're just both super effective and efficient with touches. I think, I mean, obviously, Andrew's pointed out the Singleton love is, one, because he's super cool. He came out of high school as, like, a huge prospect, uh, mm-hmm. like a no-doubter in terms of guys that can product- be productive year one. Um, but didn't he have that like insane Rose Bowl? And like you see that happen all the time with like Smith and Jigba, you know yeah. that Rose Bowl pushed him to like insane uh, insane levels of uh, potential as well in the next season. So, mm-hmm. from a is there a battle that you're interested in, like a QB running back receiver battle that you think is is legitimate and is interesting to you, Brandon? <sighs> I don't know. Does Corum and Edwards count as a battle? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I think it's does, fair. Does it count as a battle? Because I've heard, you know, from, I mean, obviously I'm here in Michigan, you're a Michigan fan. 
I've heard, you know, that Corum came back to Michigan for one reason, and that's to win a national championship. And, you know, like, because they worked him a lot last year. I mean, he was getting a lot of carries and obviously it ended up getting hurt. I've heard Corum came back to, to be part of a team and win a natty and that honestly Donovan Edwards could end up with either an equal share of carries or maybe even more in certain games, like when they don't need Corum. So I know they're both being drafted pretty high, but is there a legitimate chance that Edwards should actually be being drafted higher than Corum? I guess is my question. Adrian, what's, what's kind of your vibe as a unbiased outside perspective? I was targeting Corum for a little bit just cause I, um, I wanted a, a rock in the form of a running back from which to build my best ball teams. And it felt like nice high floor. Um, even if he doesn't get the share of carries that he had last year, like the pie's going to be so large. Line mm-hmm. should still be amazing. You figure Edwards touches in the games where they're both healthy tick up. Um, but the schedule too. The schedule's very manageable, especially that non-con. But I mean that <laughs> you think about that stuff. I mean, I'm not here to rip on it. I mean, I am. I mean, yeah. I am, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, that's why I'm like I draft Michigan defense everywhere because I know for those first three, four games, they're gonna be putting up huge points, you know. So it's just like Oh, the schedule is just pretty manageable, I think. And uh, yeah, Michigan's going to be really heavy on the run. So I'm not sure it really matters. But they're both being drafted like pretty early on, right? I don't know ADP like you. I've only done one. Yeah. Basketball. I think cool. that if we if we lived in a, a world where there we were talking about large form best ball tourneys, like underdog hosts for NFL and stuff, then you can get more into the arguments of drafting Edwards over Corum. Uh, but just in like... Uh, standard 12 team best ball, whatever standard league. I don't think like there's, I understand the arguments for why it could play out the way it is, but I'm, I'm just going to go quorum uh, every time and even take him like, I'm cool taking him multiple rounds a- ahead just because it feels super safe with also a nice, uh, very nice ceiling as we saw evidence by last year. Yeah. I think quorum is like basically an early second rounder ish yeah. and uh, Edwards is maybe fourth round ish. Okay. So I he's was, going pretty was, high. Dude, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. And I think JD Yankee made a great point on one of those campus to Canton um, podcasts. I actually listened to this week and which I never do. And uh, <laughs> he said, Hey, I have quorum at number three. Do I think he finishes number three? No, probably not. But like, I can pretty much guarantee he's going to finish top 10 or top 12. And Andrew, you kind of alluded to, like you kind of mentioned that earlier, like I know what I'm getting out of it. And really the range of outcomes is three to 12 for quorum for Edwards. I mean, if you're taking him in the, let's say the early fourth, like maybe that's RB, I might be RB 12. His range of outcomes is <laughs> running back three to our running back 35, 40, yeah. right? It's a deep, it's a deep position And I don't know, maybe you guys can help me out here. Like what's the difference between this off season and the last, because last off season, a lot of people were on Edwards. The, their skill was still there. You know, what was Edwards doing up until Coram got hurt? He didn't really produce a ton. You you probably hated drafting him if uh, at where you, at where you took him before the injury, right? 
was it the Maryland game that he just went off? He had like four or five super long touchdowns, Edwards, I think. So like maybe his production wasn't very like clean across the board or consistent, but he did have like these explosive pop-up plays where, uh, you know, he was, um, you know, and obviously versus Ohio State, he had a big game too. So I, I think it's just like the allure of that, like this is sort of the same thing with, with Singleton or Travion. It's just the allure of that, you know, five-star game breaker talent that people really want to have if they do pop, but and I guess you could say, you know, Corm's coming off injury, so maybe that's an excuse to bump Edwards up a little bit more this year. But, like, I feel he was going, like, eighth, ninth round last year. So to see him sort of get this bump up is interesting. Yeah, he was – they were both in, like, kind of that four to seven round, just depending on who you're drafting with, right? Like, if you're drafting with me and Mike, like, he wasn't lasting to the eighth. But I think in some leagues, for sure, in some some drafts, he was definitely um, falling – Andrew, is there a quarterback receiver battle coming into this that you were thinking was was super intriguing to you? Quarterback receiver. So when we just brought up the idea of, well, is now is now the fair time to allow our guest to pontificate upon the topic of which he immerses himself in most deeply, Michigan State, right? I, all of all three of the primary positions: QB, running back, wide receiver. I feel like, okay, quarterback, it's not really a battle at this point, presumably, right? But I'm still so interested to get your perspective on this dude, Kim. Um, and then running back and wide receiver, I have no idea what's going on there. Um, and Nobody I don't know. I would, I would love your thoughts. I, I can give you an educated uh, opinion on what the guys that I do, you know, my podcast with talking about Michigan State and they're the beat reporters, so they see it and kind of what they've seen. But I, I can't even, not even me who's pretty tuned in. I can't even come in here and give you definitive answers on what Michigan State's offense or who's going to be playing it. Uh, the answer was Keon Coleman. So uh, that <laughs> is no longer a thing. And I, I don't really want to go down that road. I'm, I'm a little yeah, bit sore and a little bit sore and sour about that whole thing. Um, but like, so I, as, as far as quarterback, I do think Kim will open the season as the starter. Um, he's, he's definitely shown a nice, some nice here in the spring. They don't they don't have a spring practice or a spring game anymore, as I'm sure you guys know. It's more of like an open practice. Uh the reason Mel gave for that this year was because they didn't have have enough D linemen to have two teams. <laughs> Last year it was they didn't have enough offensive linemen. The year before that it was they didn't have enough corners. So I'm just like, okay, now whatever. You clearly just don't want to have a spring <laughs> game. But and and he doesn't. He's openly said that why would he do anything that gives people an advantage uh for what his team to see? So I wouldn't expect to get answers to these questions. Until until they go out there Friday night against Central Michigan, but Kim did look improved in the uh, spring game or the spring practice. He was moving around in the pocket really nicely, showing some 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 nice movement in the pocket, and then delivering throws downfield. We didn't see as much from Hauser, but then again, Peyton Thorne was still getting it looked like top reps in that practice. So I don't know if they were hiding Hauser or whatever, um, but I do think Kim will start. Hauser has the higher upside in my opinion, um, and I think he is more of the long term answer, but. With all these positions, we don't really know. With running back, I'm on the Nathan Carter train, the, the transfer from UConn. Um, you know, he is – I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of this guy, but he is just absolutely jacked. Like, just, like, arms as big as my torso. <laughs> um, so – and he has some big playability. So, I think that uh, – you know, we saw Berger last year. He was okay, uh, but really folded. I mean, the running game in general was kind of irrelevant. Um, and I'm not sure that the running game is going to be that much better this year. They do have – two veterans on the offensive line. They brought in the number one Juco uh, offensive lineman in the country and Keyshawn Blackstock. So maybe they will be a little bit improved in running the ball, but 
Uh, I, I don't know if either of them are going to be fantasy relevant, but I would go Carter over Berger. And then at receiver, Trey Mosley and Montori Foster are going to be your two veterans that come back. I don't know if they're going to be relevant fantasy-wise. If you're looking for, like, sleepers for, like, Dynasty, like, I think Tyrell Henry is a guy who played on special teams last year. He might play some slot this year. Um, he's a young guy. So, uh, and then Christian Fitzpatrick, who transferred in from Louisville a couple years ago, is, like, 6'4", 200. He's really the only bigger like throw it up and go get it uh, receivers that they have less left on the roster. And, you know, if you saw last year, that, that was basically their best play was throw it up to Keon. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be relevant, at least in CFF redraft. If there was one guy that I saw that could be a sneaky relevant uh, player, it might be Malik Carr, the tight end, just, you know, new tight end, new, new quarterbacks rely on the tight end Carr's shown big playability in the past. He's a big body with some game-breaking ability. So, you know, maybe you get some touchdowns out of him. But overall, I'm not sure, at least early on, that Michigan State is going to be a very uh, productive offense for fantasy, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I was kind of aware of Cart. Was he the basketball player as well or no? Did I make that he, up? He was on the team for a year, um, but he's transferred in from Purdue. He was a, He's a former four-star guy, transferred a couple years from Purdue over. But, yeah, he, he did play basketball in high school and was on the team for a year, but he, I don't know if he, he may, he might've got into one game. So that was just okay. kind of a thing that him and Keon were doing for a little bit. Gotcha. I, I like him generally speaking, like in these championships, champion series ones that are like, or any just tight end premium type league. I mm-hmm. think like that is, can get pretty thin pretty quick. And I like, I think I've drafted him once or twice as like a dart throw at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think like, just generally speaking, it seemed like he had a lot of athleticism nobody else really as a target so like new quarterback i had a quick question about hauser he was a pretty decent recruit for you guys right and what is his what's his style of play he's he's a high four star he performed really well at the elite 11s um i mean jay johnson their quarterbacks coach offensive coordinator i identified him pretty early same thing with the kid they got out of uh wash oregon this year uh sam levitt uh, who's a, a four star. Both of these guys were like high three stars before the elite 11s and they both turned into four stars by the end. So I don't know. Jay Johnson does have an ability to sort of get these guys before they rise and, and sort of blow up. So he's one of the better four star quarterback. I mean, I don't think they've had a higher uh, uh, commit in terms of two, four, seven rating since here's a blast from the past few guys, Jeff Smoker. I don't know if you remember <laughs> Jeff Smoker, uh, but he is the highest quarterback recruit they've gotten since him. So, I mean, obviously they've had some, some good diamond in the rough there through the years, but uh, he, he, he has some mobility, really strong arm can make all the throws. I mean, he was the elite 11s is where he really blew up. Fortunately, they already had him, you know, pretty much committed because he was chucking it everywhere. So uh, he's a strong arm kid can make all the throws. I think he's just, uh, you know, in interviews, I've heard him. He seems like a really sort of thinks the game kind of guy. Um, he's, he's the classic sort of like laid back Cali quarterback kid, you know, like, like the guy from remember the Titans, you know, he likes surfing. He does, uh, he, he, you know, he's a Cali kid with the, with that quarterback swagger. So that's why I think long-term he's probably more the answer. I, I fear that if he doesn't get meaningful snaps this year, he might transfer out. Um, so it's going to be on Noel Kim to prove that he's the better man for the job. He's been in the program for four years, but in terms of that moxie swagger and ultimate ceiling, I mean, uh, Kate Hauser is that guy. I mean, he's, he's what you want for, you know, potentially, you know, some dual threat production out of him. So, um, you know, maybe the ceiling for the whole team would go up and maybe in terms of fantasy production, I just don't know if he's ready yet. You know, he's only been there for, for a year and a summer. So, 
Yeah, it, not to mention he doesn't have anybody to help him, right? Like right. out wide, he doesn't have a, maybe a strong run game potentially. Yeah. Uh, Carter's an interesting name, though, because like obviously Kenneth Walker blew up once he got to Michigan State, but he wasn't like all world beforehand. Carter is that big bodied guy, which seems interesting mm-hmm. for a Mel Tucker because he just might get 25 touches a game, which is yeah. always interesting for CFF. But and Andrew, I don't think Jalen Berger showed anything to like prove that he needs like a workhorse role last year, you right? Know? So. Right, Andrew, any thoughts in the same type of vein? as an overarching conference debate question thought or before we jump into maybe like any big bust thoughts or any top, top play type guys in the conference. What is the, is there a situation or a player that you're scared the most from this conference that you could fade and it could blow up in your face? I have one. It's uh, Talia Tugabaloa. <laughs> I feel like he could just turn into a stud. Like, yeah. right, I mean, he's been in the program for what, three, four years now. Yeah. I've, I've always kind of wondered why he isn't more of a CFF stud. I guess it's because he doesn't really run. Um, but you know, it seems like the talent should be there. They've had weapons on the outside. I guess maybe the main issue with him is just, you know, he's in the Big Ten East. So he's got to go, you know, against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, you know, in the past, Michigan State has been something, obviously not this year or last year. But I, I guess maybe – he goes pretty late. So maybe it's like worth taking a shot on him and I won't really actually miss out, but I don't know. I've taken him in big 10 best balls in the past. I've, I've taken him in best ball leagues just cause I, I think that he has a really high ceiling, but it does it just, there's something holding him back. I just wonder, you know, in his fifth year here, maybe if I've faded him for the last time and he's going to blow up on me, but maybe not. They they've been such a gift as a program uh, mm-hmm. to fantasy owners in the sense that they're just so like, They've been so predictable. Okay, I bench them against the good teams. I play them against the bad teams. Mm-hmm. The offense goes nuts again when they're non-con and against some of those Big Ten West uh, programs. Bench them against Michigan because uh, you know that it's just not going to work out. Like that, that's cool. What, what more can you really hope for from a fantasy perspective, especially when you're talking about like daily or something like that? Um, I think I'm out on. Jeff Sims, having uh, rode with my, my dog uh, for multiple years at this point, I I think m- him and DJU, I would bucket in the same bucket in the sense that I think that it's very mental with them. And it's just like it is the yips, I think, to the two players that like you've heard. I've heard that for him specifically in the past um, and you watch him and it's like, all right, this dude is short arming passes like he got he he. he I can't remember if he got benched in the loss against Northern Illinois a couple of years ago, or if it just, they played him and wrote him out and it just kind of played out the way it did. But the, you hear the descriptions of what he's doing in practice and it's already manifesting, right? Like Casey Thompson was like, all right, yeah. this dude, I can't beat this dude out. I'm out of here. I'm like, it's like, all right, we love you Florida Atlantic, Casey, but like, dude, if you just give it a game or two and let Jeff Sims do the Jeff Sims thing, <laughs> once the lights come on and like, see, see what happens. But, I don't know. Um, but at the same time, like that dude is so ridiculously talented um, mm-hmm. with his arm, with his legs. If it, if he ever put it together upstairs, that it like that's top five, top 10 fancy quarterback. So it's, it's yeah. scary baiting him in that regard. Yeah. I think he's kind of a mix of like what you were talking about, Brandon, with uh, Tag Viola. Like Tag is going to be all passing, but his like he it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if he threw like 40 touchdowns or 35 mm-hmm. plus. Whereas Sims, he's never going to throw 30 touchdowns or come close to it. But 
what he can what he can bring you on the run is like just really dynamic and i think matt rule is a good like a great college coach yeah which i think he'll know how to take advantage of different you know college systems and and uh college coaches defense uh you know other defenses so i love the sims pick those are two great like late options i think are super scary uh i mentioned travion henderson earlier i haven't gotten him anywhere I mean, the guy was a top five pick last year, like consensus. I don't have him anywhere, but man, I, like he could legitimately be a top three player this year and it wouldn't shock me. You know, like th- there's a potential world where they run the ball more than uh, years past. They have the players to do it and a new quarterback. There's a there's a path towards me just – getting blown up by teams that have picked Travion and I just have not landed him once. <laughs> so, so last year when we had like the three Ohio state guys that were like at the top of every draft board, you know, I, I was team Travion. So that, that was a bad call Same. on my part. Yeah. I mean, that Same. obviously Same. didn't work out, um, but I was all about it, but you know, coming into this year, there's a lot of like he broke, we found out he, he actually like broke his foot recently that report came out and yep. you know you, you've obviously got Mayan Williams is a veteran guy who's going to demand carries Dallas Hayden showed he could get carries uh you know they needed running back so bad that the, the Arizona State guy flipped back to running back and then I, I think people forget that Evan Pryor was another very highly touted uh running back in the same class as Travion and coming into last year they were talking about how he was going to be part of the plans, you know, on third down, maybe uh, pass catching back, maybe, uh, you know, kind of a guy they put in and then he obviously got hurt preseason. So, you know, he should be back and healthy because he was hurt preseason last year. And I, I feel like he's going to factor in. I think you're right, Chris, that the, the pie could be bigger for the run game with a new quarterback coming in. But, you know, Marvin Harrison's going to get his a book is going to get his, you know, there's just a lot more mouths to feed. So I don't blame you for being a little bit afraid of uh, Henderson. Yeah. Well, I assume you live in the Michigan State bubble and don't venture outside of it, so it wouldn't shock me if you haven't seen this. But I, the day has Ryan Day has basically come out and said that he's seen the light and that he's going to start running his quarterbacks more. Oh, you guys still I, hear me? Yeah, you're, you're a little in and out, but I don't think either of us have heard about Ryan Day wanting to run quarterbacks more. So we are we are you have officially caught our interest and our <laughs> listeners' interest. <laughs> And we may have lost him for a second. He's, he's a little frozen. The yeah, internet, he, maybe. Gotta love it. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Day shut down his uh, audio immediately. I think um, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Kyle McCord, he's not running anywhere, buddy. Settle down. <laughs> is, is, <laughs> you're good. We've, we've killed the dead air perfectly. Uh, like, like the professionals that we are. Andrew, yeah. are you... <clears throat> we need to know more about this immediately. So please do tell. Yeah, yeah, it, it, the, there's not a ton to it. Just the, the idea that uh, they was like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, we're going to start. Like, we are going to run our quarterback uh, now and going forward. It's like, okay, that makes a ton of sense. You just had CJ Stroud uh, for four years, who like has clearly proved in the last like six six quarters or whatever, uh, or I guess uh, two quarters of his collegiate career that he said he can run the ball. Not that, that I'm sure it was never in question, but and I get it to some degree why they didn't want to run him. Um, a, you didn't need to be, you want to save it, uh, not put it on film. But at the same time now, like, all right, if Kyle McCord's going to be, be your guy, which I, I, I've been trying to acquire Kyle McCord for a couple of years for this moment, so I'm excited for it. But it still seems ridiculous. Like now you're going to incorporate the quarterback run game into your uh, into your offense uh, with that dude. Um, 
Does that match his play style? Or does this give you pause and want and make you want the uh who is it Devin Brown, right? That's the other guy. No, he, no, he's been I, hurt. So yeah, that that story just came out today that like he had surgery with his finger or whatever, right? He's gonna be he's fine, he's good to go. But they're not starting Devin Brown. Um it, it the way that Brown would ascend, right, is if Core just falls on his face uh after at some point into the season or gets hurt. Uh, but like I, the whole idea or the whole thing with McCord and Harrison playing together in high school, having that mind meld, not that Marvin Harrison needs that. Like that was enough for me to start thinking about Marvin Harrison Heisman tickets. Just it's like, okay, this guy probably hasn't even another level to his stats. Um, but there's no, I don't think there, I, what what do you think would have to happen for the for Kyle McCord not to win that job? He would have to be just insane, like ungodly awful. I don't know. I mean, he was pretty. That whole thing looked bad in the spring game, right? I mean, they gave a seventy year old two time Heisman winner some carries, so they seemed desperate on offense. But I don't know. It just I don't. Is it is it likely that this the presumed quarterback one for Ohio State continues to be the quarterback one that's really good that's in Heisman races for the last 20 years yeah but like I don't know if if he's suggesting they want to run the quarterback more that doesn't feel like McCord's game and what would really what would we be saying right now if Brown didn't hurt his finger like what how close would that battle be I'm curious is it likely that Brown is the starter not at all right like heavy lean to heavy heavy lean to McCord but it, it another one that wouldn't surprise me if uh, we hear something kind of crazy um, happen in the fall practice. Mm-hmm. I, I have just one more big overarching Big Ten conference question: Is it a boring league for CFF <laughs> outside of Ohio State? I mean, like I feel like you don't find like the the you know the high flyers in the Big Ten. You know, you might get like a bulk running back or something, but uh, outside of Ohio State, I don't know. I feel like I'm whenever I take Big Ten guys. People like scoff at me, you know, because I'm like taking the ground and pound, you know, classic smash mouth football approach. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty boring, Andrew. <laughs> oh, I think it's getting a little, it, it still got its roots in some of that boredom, right? But I think that's getting more fun with the, the, you, you coined it the dairy raid, right, Chris? Uh, I, no, 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 I can't, I can't, uh, I can't take Dude, that. Somebody we, responded to, somebody responded. It to mike bainbridge's tweet once about the dairy raid and then i have just kept saying it because i love that i think it's just so clever <laughs> yeah okay the dairy raid coming to the big 10 is nice um iowa really i think that we can all agree that they're just going to be an awesome team all the way around this year especially on offense i think that that's exciting um and then Minnesota is a threat to pick things back up as well. I mean, you could obviously you could see I'm stretching a little bit. So to answer your question, I guess succinctly, uh, yeah, it it's one of the more boring conferences. Even some of the ones that I think, from a legacy perspective, I've I've uh, been enamored with, like the Mountain West. They've tried, they've pulled back a little bit and gone a little more boring. But when I they like they're they're still I think across the board a little more interesting than Big Ten. Big Ten just has so many teams where it's like my like where it's like man there's nothing there um so <laughs> yeah yeah weather does play a factor too because you can't be chucking it everywhere when the snow's coming down yeah and you, you see it when we do the conference only 
drafts up Jared hosts like mm-hmm. you did you win Big Ten last year? I won two years ago and got second this year. Uh, That's nice. Uh, college football winning edge beat me out by by like twenty. It's points. unfair that he plays in it because like he's. <laughs> I mean, this—that's his day. It's his day to day, right? And yeah. he's so into the data and depth charts, which is all that matters. Like, not all, because I—I I mean, I won like four of those things. No, no, not a brag. <laughs> but, um, but he's tough. Um, but the Big Ten, when you do, so I do all of them. I do all the ones that Jared does. So all ten, and the Big Ten, you find yourself grasping uh, and really re- ad hoc researching in the moments so much earlier than all the other power five conferences, I think. And I think that speaks to uh, just the lack of offensive viability of a lot of these programs. Yeah. I think preparing or just thinking about what we would want to talk about for some of these teams, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, I've got like, some blanks, but I do have some, some deep cuts here. I do. So, yeah. so I like, I legit think we could knock out like four teams in like five minutes. Like, so my notes for Northwestern, uh, um, are they more north or more western? <laughs> Mine says <laughs> blank. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, it's, it's that's a tough one. I mean, there's literally nothing, nothing of any potential there. Correct? We can is just Sam Porter still there? He uh, is. Well, maybe him replacing Hall. Maybe. Uh, you know, we we know they like to run the ball, so uh, that's the only potential spot. Maybe just based on volume. That's a good viable call out. I, I will say it slipped my mind. I actually like that one. Cam Porter is a guy I took a couple of years back pre-injury, which was disappointing to see because he, he could have had a better, you know, obviously he could have had a better year last year um, coming back from it. Illinois, they have Luke Altmeyer, They have Isaiah Williams. And then they have a kind of a crazy, potentially upside driven running back room, right? Is there a vibe that you're getting Brandon from which running back is, is number one, McCray or Reggie Love? I think it's going to be a committee. Unfortunately, I've been a Josh McCray fan basically since he, I mean, he burst on the scene as like a true freshman, I think, and then got hurt maybe last year. Um, and then, you know, Reggie Love was getting carries, but I, I like McCray. I think he's the better running back. I think he's the better fit for what they want to do. I, I'm not sure if he's bigger, right? but, they, but uh, I, I have heard from, you know, some people, my friends in Chicago area that they're looking at more of a committee approach where, you know, last year it was obviously all Chase Brown. So I don't know if we're going to find that one guy to replace him. I think they have a freshman they like too. So I'm expecting more of a committee there. It's a, it's a bulky running back room um, on our kind of like C2C slacky. I think he posted like a screenshot of their running back room and like everybody is like 240. Yeah. You know, they're, so they're I don't know large. what they're feeding, what, what they're feeding him up there. But uh, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, Andrew, are you an Isaiah Williams fan or no? I haven't actively sought him out too much, but I, I like him. He, he's cool. Um, no, nothing really bad, bad to say about him. Catches a bunch of balls, does some cool shit. I like receivers who used to be quarterbacks, just as a non yeah. sort of, you know, just as in general. I just think that they, you know, they obviously know the route trees. So they, they can sort of, I think, adapt quicker than maybe some other receivers. You know, I think receiver generally, especially in college as a receiver, or a position where guys can come in and, and be impactful right away. But Isaiah Williams, I swear it's been like two years in a row in Illinois has played on like week zero, or they've been in that first game. And Isaiah Williams has like gone off in both yeah. games. So he's like the top pickup <laughs> in all fantasy leagues. Cause he's like the number one highest scoring player. And then, you know, three games later, he's back to, you know, three for 44. 
know, so it's he's I'm not sure he, there's much there with Illinois. He makes uh he makes it fairly deep in best balls, and I think it's because he doesn't get heavy like yards per reception and he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. They just don't do enough passing. But if there was some sort of change with Altmeyer at quarterback or maybe whomever behind him that might end up playing type of thing that where maybe touchdown passes are a thing in uh, Illinois, then I could see Williams uh, become more valuable because they sure do feed him a whole lot. Um, yeah, I wonder if Almeyer takes the offense to another level. You could see it. I mean, Tommy DeVito did something with him. If Tommy DeVito can do something with him, right. I feel like Altmeyer, who's I would I think we would all agree is a better quarterback, better yeah. athlete. Well, we thought he was starting there for a while last year, so I mean it flipped back. So. Uh, Illinois is interesting. I, I just wonder how that, how, you know, they had a good year last year. I just wonder, is there actually going to be sustained success there? You know, I, I know they get, yeah. they have running backs, but overall, I'm not sure it's something that I'm like rushing to try and invest in. Yeah. And I wonder how much their defense has to be worse, right? They had a bunch of, you know, first, second, third rounders, essentially uh-huh. all leave. I wonder how much that impacts heavy running back usage, and maybe game scripts, like how they want to play that out. But Iowa, I think like Iowa is a, a one that we can pretty much lock in two positions of interest. One of them is typically elite, and that would be the tight end position. Um, we have a little bit of a narrative street here at the tight end position with Cade McNamara and Eric all being best buddies. They were both at Michigan. I think I'm a big all fan. And he's fairly cheap in these drafts. Uh, Brandon, is there a, you know, Luke Lachey was great when he was called upon last year. Do you have, do you have a, a lean uh, on one or maybe at cost? Cause Lachey is getting drafted high and, and all's late at cost. Is there one that you prefer? All I've taken Eric all a few spots. Cause of just, he's late. I mean, he's like free, you know, and there was a period, I guess, when I was sort of interested in him at Michigan and then, you know, like guys like Colson Loveland and other ones took his spot, but uh he would be the one just because, you know, it, you don't know which one of these Iowa tight, you know, back when we had the Fant Hawkinson situation, you know, I'm like, well, give me whichever one is going to go later, you know? So I, I think when you have two comparable guys, that just makes sense. Andrew totally. is the, is the best friend slash roommate narrative valid here with McNamara and all, or do you like Lachey more? I, I think it's valid. I think that for, as opposed to, for instance, the Oregon wide receiver room with Tez Johnson and Bo Nix. I think that that's a little ridiculous given how much talent they have a wide receiver at this point. Like 47 Oregon. receivers there now. So Right. Yeah. And also, too, they, they both didn't come from Troy. Like Tez was at Troy and Bo's been not his teammate. So I think that's a, it's a good. Yeah, you're right. It's another separation. layer here. Yeah. But all shouldn't have a problem getting on the, on the field, right? They'll run two tight end sets and then, you can you figure he might that uh Cade might just have better chemistry with them, so you could see it. Nate was telling me they had like a ridiculously low amount of scholarship receivers, like in the spring. So they're definitely going two tight ends. Totally. Um, there were years where the Iowa running back was just like marquee position. The young guy, I believe, was was it is it Gavin Williams? Yeah, he a transferred bunch of out. Caleb Johnson. So, Caleb Johnson, that's who I was thinking of. Um, yeah. He's he a lot of enticing. Him. A lot I love of Caleb Johnson. I love him. 
I'm I'm big on him. I mean, I I know Iowa is a weird offense to be like, yay, I'm all about this guy. But uh, I liked what I saw as a young guy last year. I mean, I I guess the the question is, is Iowa's offense going to be you know good enough to support a fantasy guy that you're going to feel good putting in there week in and week out? But I thought it, I thought he showed some burst last year, and you know we went into last year right thinking like, what was it? There wasn't there two Williamses. We were thinking those guys were going to split it, and then he basically blew them all away very on. So, I mean, I like what I see on tape from him. And, you know, if he was somewhat productive last year. If he could be like, if the offense could just be a tick better, then, you know, I think he would at least have like a, a worthy flex option. Yeah. I've been trying to get a piece of Iowa in pretty much every draft I do. Um, I Now could be a good time to release. So I've been workshopping this take into fruition for a while, and I think I can release it now. I think that Iowa has a better chance of winning 10 games than Florida State this year. Oh, boy. Wow. That's spicy. (laughs) Thank you. They both have weak schedules because ACC is not all that strong. But I guess technically Iowa would have to have a weaker schedule, right? But I think Florida State loses to Clemson and LSU, and then there's five five games that I don't think they can sleepwalk through. Um, Penn State – doing the fucking CBS whiteout game for Iowa is bullshit. Cause that's like, all right, guaranteed L. And then they, they have one, when we went through the schedule a few shows ago, they have one other road game. That's really tough too. But outside of that, it's like, okay, they get Illinois at home. They get Minnesota at home. I think they're at Nebraska to end the season, but state goes there too. Yeah. Um, when I, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that the path to 10 for them isn't that, daunting uh and i think that it's okay it's gonna be eight nine or ten and i think that florida state with two i think it ends up being two pretty guaranteed l's on their resume and four or five other tricky challenging games i think that that's how things net out calling the iowa bounce back i like it Let's position this a little bit more towards you, Andrew, here. Uh, Rutgers. What are we doing with Rutgers? Anything? Is this like that gif of like the the stick figure with the poking the stick at? Like, come on, do something. <laughs> is that is that what we're seeing here with Rutgers offense, or is there something you like? So I, I haven't done like a triangulated research of QB, RBWR for them. I, my feelings the sent right now are that, as it has been for the last few years, it's going to be problematic in the for the at quarterback. We'll probably see multiple guys uh, coming in. Dude, Johnny Lankin's back for like year seven or some shit. Did you see that? I did not, but it does you not. Know, you know, we're giving him QB snaps, uh, and it, it feels like I mean, maybe not officially, we're ready to turn a page on Gavin Wims yet. But I, I, I'm pretty sure I was reading something else about other guys getting touted up. Uh, but I mean, Wims just never looked very good. Uh, and that I have no idea what's going on at, at receiver. Um, but their new OC is like, not that it was a good hire, but <laughs> for fantasy, it could be good. Uh, we, we took the, the Minnesota guy, Kirk's rock. I think his name is, uh, that, that gave Mo like 60 carries a game and Samuel Brown, who was like, dude, I, I it's interesting to think about how we would be talking about Samuel Brown. If he didn't su- uh, suffer, I think it was a foot injury. Um, 
in October last year because he was true freshman. I think he was true freshman and he was ramping up and he was going to get 20 plus carries a game down the stretch. So we'd be talking about this dude as an absolute battle cow coming into this year. And it took a lot of digging for me to figure out what the injury was and like, okay, it's a, it's a foot injury. I think that they did the thing where they kind of like rested him throughout the spring, but he's going to be good to go. So going in the summer, like I've taken him a little bit at the end of best balls and, I, like generally speaking, one of my best, like the, the best ball strategy that I've landed on with running back is I've shot myself in the foot in the past with not taking enough in terms of quantity and just being overly certain about the guys that I've taken up front. Um, like, oh, I took like four running backs in the first eight rounds. I'm good. And I'll just take like three or four more. And it doesn't, it never works out that way, right? Dumb shit happens. Um, so I've tried to hold myself to like nine or 10 running backs. And when I do that, I end up taking like, four to five in like the rounds 20 to 30 and which involves like it's a lot of guy you're like flipping a coin in a lot of rooms and stuff or like projecting a lot of things but i'm fine with that in that range um and samuel brown's one of those guys that where i where i I consider in in the later rounds where it's like okay if this like he should be rb1 if it breaks right like he looked really good as a freshman he was gonna come into uh, 20 carries a game if he didn't hurt his foot and maybe we just take off from there with this dude that fed Mo, Mo 50 carries a game at Minnesota uh, last last year. I I can get behind that. I mean, he did look good. Uh, yeah. He was young. And it's not like they have anybody else to, like, steal anything from him. So the, the Wait, opportunity is there. In the past, we've always found guys to prevent anyone from being viable from a fancy perspective at Rutgers. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm, 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 I'm hopeful for sure when it comes to Sam Brown. All right, one team we have not talked about at all, and I have—I think I could confidently say I have drafted zero of this team, <laughs> is Purdue. Besides, I mean, Devin Mockaby is very quality in CFF, right? I think we can all agree. I think there's been more recently some, I don't know, different rumblings that, you know, there's some good confidence towards Mockaby at, at running back for them, correct? Am I hearing correctly? Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're. He had the cool fake flea flicker against you guys that we celebrated on here for like a solid twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, they couldn't quite get him to a thousand yards when they got slaughtered by like eighty points in the bowl game, even though they tried. But then he got the scholarship. I mean, and while there's been like obviously tons of turnover, both from like in a coaching perspective and from a roster perspective, like he's the constant. You figure that even though the offensive system should skew uh toward pass like what what else are you going to build out of build out of from an offensive perspective they took the defensive coordinator from illinois and made him their head coach correct yeah what's what offensively who is who's coaching that team who's calling plays do we is it the same guy that's been under brahm it's graham harrell right I'm asking the I question. That, I clearly I have that, no idea. I think that's right. Yeah, Graham Harrell. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we know he likes to chuck it. <laughs> I, <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> that's in his blood. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I feel like the result, I mean, maybe it's just that West Virginia, uh, Neil Brown stink that's on him right now. But the, the results at his last couple stops haven't been overly inspiring. But still, at minimum, you know, things are probably not going to bottom out too bad. You kind of know what you're going to get. Um, at least from a theoretical perspective, they brought in Hudson Card. 
I'm not really super interested. I've seen him go late in a couple of our, our best balls. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't look too terrible right at Texas when he uh, came, when he played for Ewers last year. I think that he, he had some nice, nice plays, but from a fantasy perspective, I don't know. I've fallen for that trap before like last year with Harold's fucking quarterback with JT Daniels. It's like, Oh, it's the air raid. He's going to throw for a bunch of yards and he's going to give me a bunch of fancy points. It's like, even when he had a good game, you're talking about he's scrapping, clawing, trying to get 20 fancy points. Cause he's going for negative 20 rushing yards, throwing for 300 yards and two scores. And it's like, that's just not going to do it. So it's probably kind of a similar story with, with card. Um, I have no idea what's going on with them at receiver. Our boy Brock Thompson hung it up, right? Milton Wright is uh, still in the portal. Um, Tyron Tracy is now a running back. Is he? They've, he's designated as running back. I mean, if you remember him at the end of last season, he was like, he really was just playing running back. He would just be like kind of like this weird scat back type of change of pace type. Yeah. Passing it's, type guy. I, I'll, I'll forever be a fan just because every time he gets the ball and something cool happens, but it's not, I guess it's just not going to aggregate into like a consistent usable fantasy player. And I burned so much money on this dude in DFS at this point, every week it's like, Oh, 3,800. I love him. Why not? Of course. Uh, this will be the week where he goes like nine for 90 in a score. And now it's like three for 18 and no scores. I need to hear more about what the Purdue offense is going to be. You know, yeah. is it going to be the same thing we saw under Brom? Probably not. You know, it, it was like this golden goose for passing yards for for years. So, yeah, you know, when they when teams bring in a defensive coach as the head man, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad offense. But it doesn't really like inspire confidence in me that they're going to be like the Purdue that we've seen the last few years. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of in a waiting mode with them. I would love to see a case study um, done on the the defensive head coach cool offensive coordinator combination and how that nets out from a uh, production perspective. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it's just like a, me always remembering all the bad cases, but I feel like it never works out how we would like it to, or a lot of times it fails. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Expectations don't feel too high uh, coming in uh, for this year uh, with Mockaby, the the dude that kind of got us going on this, uh, being the the main the one guy that's kind of being targeted to any real extent in drafts. All right, do you want do you want my Indiana nugget? I got yes, it. Yes, it's right time here. for the Indiana nugget. <laughs> so I like Jalen Lucas. I don't know if you guys know about this guy. He's like a little five nine scat bat. Uh, had like an 80-yard touchdown last year. He was returning kicks for them. I don't think he's going to be someone that you're going to draft in regular CFF leagues, but in best balls, big-time best balls, he is a big play threat. And I think he could sneak into more carries this year because they've got uh, Josh Henderson, who's just like an older cast-off from North Carolina, and they've got uh, Christian Turner, who was basically a cast-off from Wake Forest. So those are the only two guys really that I see in front of him. And uh the current, they're both transfers from, from other, you know, P5 programs that never really got it, got a fair shake. And Lucas is the guy that this staff actually went out and got. I know they're raving about him last year. So I don't know, maybe like late best ball dart throw because he does have some big, big play upside. He, I think he had three or four touchdowns over 60 yards last year. So he's kind of like my one little, my, my Hoosier dig. That's what I came up with. Jalen Lucas. I, I will tell you. You are officially one of us by saying Jalen Lucas is your like little gold nugget. I think that's a great random. I, I I mean, I think we've all maybe heard his name at least once or twice. I certainly know who you're talking about. He's a little bit bigger than I expected. ESPN has him at 5'9", 185. 
Right. And I mean, they used Sean Shivers way too much last year. Now that guy is <laughs> built like a brick wall, but he's like also five foot six. So like, there's a, a path towards like me not being surprised by double digit carries, and they they did use him a lot in the passing game. Um, JD made a great point in that podcast I was listening to this morning uh, that you know PPR just like in the NFL and college football is still very valuable to have in a running back. Um, so Lucas would certainly get um, credit or props for that there. Is there, I know, I mean, you have to be excited, Andrew, about, I feel like you would like the quarterback play at Indiana. I was, was going to bring it up. Do, do you, do you think, are you a Taven Jackson believer, Brandon? I, I honestly, I, I can't get into the uh, okay. Indiana Thanks quarterback room enough. I, I spent too much time on five, nine running backs. Uh, <laughs> <too>. <laughs> I'll or, have to look into that. No, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. I, I took a dart throw on Taven Jackson at the end of one of our best balls. Uh, I saw some stat that was basically Indiana's pace was insane last year. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get enough into pace stats to understand if pay, their pace, for instance, was more driven on just being horrific and needing to play catch up all the time or if like the, their neutral game script pace was optimal as well. Um, but just if you look at how many plays a game they were running, I'm pretty sure they were they were super high up there. And um, Jackson coming over from uh, Tennessee, right? Uh, he, he was the idea was uh, he was I th- pretty highly rated uh, freshman last year. And he, dude, I don't I don't follow college basketball at all, but his brother was that dude who's like going like five, top five, top ten in the draft and uh, NBA, right? Jackson Davis or whatever his name is, but I don't know. They, they, they're going to be, they're going to be awful again uh, this year. I think his, part of his profile is he's got wheels. They're just going to be uh, like the ball. He, you can dream on the idea that he's just one of those touch, mas- touch machine quarterbacks where he's throwing it 40 to 50 times a game, running at 15 to 20. Maybe it's not efficient. Like the, um, but maybe it looks something kind of like uh, DJ Irons at Akron, um, where the ball was just in his hands every play, and they were running eighty of them, and he was touching the, the ball like he was getting utilized on like sixty to seventy of them. So that's not the worst way to make a quarterback um, from a fancy perspective, I think. Um, now I want to talk Mac, right? Because um, I want to talk about DJ Irons. Um, and how if we just get like if we just get some more touchdowns like he is such an amazing uh the idea of him is so amazing to dream about in fantasy but like they were they were so weird akron and how like they could just could not he could not score touchdowns last year even though he was throwing for a bunch of yards running for a bunch of yards and like they were i don't know um but maybe it happened maybe something like that happens with taven jackson this year Initially, I was like, I don't know, man. Dexter Williams might beat him out. But then I looked at his game log and was reminded that he might be the worst passer in all of college football. His injury was like, I, I feel like the reactions at the time were like, this is like the worst thing that ever happened to someone. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was a knee, right? And it just was did not look great. And I was very yeah. bummed because he was like super cheap in DFS and I had a, a lot of them. Yeah, uh, it, didn't, it didn't keep him from leading a 24-point comeback in Spartan Stadium when he couldn't even throw the ball to cost us bowl eligibility. So, you know, <laughs> Spartans got beat by a team with bowl eligibility on the line by a 
a team quarterback by a guy who can't even throw the ball. So uh, <laughs> there you that go. was a unique game in itself. Um, let's not talk about it. Yeah, please. I was gonna say I don't. I don't think I want to do that to you. But that was a unique game in itself. Uh, so yeah, Bill Longo. I, I, like, I feel like we got to talk about Bill Longo. Yes. So we. I have my opinion on Tanner Mordecai, which is he's just not that good. Like, well, I shouldn't even say that good. He's just not good. Um, and Andrew's got a more a deeper insight into uh, Tanner Mordecai that I'll let him get into in a second. But Brandon, what is your take on Tanner Mordecai and his CFF potential? Well, I've been a Mordecai guy. I've taken him in, in uh, several redrafts, but um, I dropped him when he was the backup for Oklahoma uh, in the dynasty league. We're all in uh, not the BTR one, but the other one, I dropped him when I took over that team, when he was the backup for Oklahoma and then he resurfaced at SMU a few years later. So that was, that was my first major gaffe as a CFF player uh, because he obviously turned into a stud, but I've been a fan. I guess I'm just a little bit curious as to how this is going to work at Wisconsin. If you know, when we're earlier, we we're talking about the big 10 being kind of boring, you know, Wisconsin's definitely one of those boring teams. Well, we know what they, what they have been, you know, grass corn fed meat grinders and a great running back, you know? So is it, is that still what it's going to look like? I don't know. It seems like we're going to have a more, dynamic passing offense it seems like that's the way wisconsin wants to go under fickle i think they're tired of being like the good not great you know sort of boring big 10 program and i feel like they want to be considered more uh in the top echelon of the big 10 and i think the way that they need to get there is to recruit better and so that's what i think that this sort of mentality shift is coming from because they want to be more trendy and hit with the you know the high flying style of college football so can it work at wisconsin i'm not sure uh, Braylon Allen, I'm still a believer in Mordecai. I'm a, I've been a fan of, but I guess I'm just a little bit skeptical. If you can like just completely erase a culture that's been there for like two decades. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Um, where he goes pretty late in drafts. I've taken him in, uh, like round between round 17 and 20. And the, I, I think the only risk there is, all right, if he's, if the bad games that there will be bad games against some of these tough defenses, right? If that that what that results in is him him losing his job, then I think that obviously that doesn't return value. Otherwise, I think that they'll get the things figured out offensively to the point where he can at least have boom weeks against some of the lesser conference teams and in the non-conference as well uh, to justify where he's going in drafts. Um, I'm not putting too much stock into spring game and where he threw a bunch of picks or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't. I, Are you willing to invest in Wisconsin receivers like Tamira? DK yeah. Or, I, I, uh... So I have a little bit. Of, um, I've, yeah, I've taken some CJ Williams um, and I'm willing to, yeah, kind of just throw some darts and take some shots. They're all so cheap it, um, that where it's like, okay, like I'll, I'll, um, Williams has been the one where I think I've taken the only one I've taken multiple uh, times in drafts at, at this point. It feels he feels in, inevitable to some degree, just from an ascension perspective. Um, and he, you can pretty much just name your price. Um, and maybe that's even like a safe, safer path than Mordecai to some degree, just in the sense that Mordecai you know, he's going to, he's going to struggle and maybe struggle. He's going to struggle against some of the tougher opponents, maybe to the point where benching ends up occurring, but 
this from Longo systems, we know that the WR1, WR2, there's going to be like, there's going to be receivers that are going to do well in the system. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a beneficial guy to land. It's just, I think there's a lot of names out there between all of them, yeah. DK and CJ Williams and Will Pauling. I'm Skylar Bell's still there, isn't he? Bell, yeah. So there's a, a bunch of options. And I think there's a lot of, it's just gotten super dark outside here. Where I'm, if you're watching the video here, I'm outside <laughs> and it's like literally just gotten insanely dark here. Uh, but yeah, I think there's just a lot of options. I, I have randomly taken one at the end of a draft of a best ball because you know, all of them will be used to some extent. You know, if you can just try to find one that might blow up, it, it can't hurt to try it once or twice. Um, but yeah, you know, the whole Mordecai thing, not to beat a dead horse, there's just going to be a lot of tough competition. The weather's going to get sketchy. And, you know, as much as I do believe this will be like a true or close to true Phil Longo system, I think like Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi are both very, very capable to very good running backs that, you know, they're going to want to feed because they've shown to win games by doing that. So, I think there's a certain level of that that will continue. Uh, running backs, uh, one room that's typically been a great running back room for us, and we'll we'll kind of wrap up here shortly. We'll try to speed through this. But Minnesota, Mo Ibrahim's gone. We mentioned that. His 100 carries a game, even uh, coming off a of torn Achilles. <laughs> is there a running – is this a running back by committee, Brandon, or is there Sean Tyler, or is it a different guy that you're leaning on? Detroit Lion, Mo Ibrahim, I might, I might say. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, Sean Tyler is what I'm hearing from the beat reporters. I mean, they they went out and got him. I mean, obviously, he has the connection to Western Michigan that uh, with P.J. Fleck there. I think they brought in like three or four Western Michigan transfers, actually. Um, there's one at receiver, too, Corey Crooms. So uh, I think Sean Tyler is the number one, the beat reporters. I was listening to uh, to Bud Elliott's summer school series. Same. I don't know if you guys yeah. listen to those. Pretty clutch, actually, for a little bit of fantasy nuggets. And uh, that their beat reporter seemed pretty set in his ways that Sean Tyler was brought in to be the number one, uh, you know, as, as kind of that big play threat to replace Mo Ibrahim. Um, and I, you know, I think uh, what, what's, uh, is it uh, Zach Evans is a guy I know a lot of people like. So I'm sure he'll be involved. We've seen multiple running backs be involved. But I, I as a Sean Tyler manager in a few dynasty leagues, I'm hoping that that ends up being the case. Cause I've always liked his talent. Is he too small though? Or, I mean, he ran a pretty decent bit at Western Michigan, but is he too small or do you think he'll be fine? What's he listed at? Uh, yeah, five, eight, one It's hard he to makes, say in the big, he thing. makes Jalen yeah. Lucas look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's, it might be hard to say, you know, 209 carries last year. Um, you know, that's in the Mac though. So how did he do against, uh, let me see. I'm just trying to look how he did against Michigan state in the, uh, 13 for 68 and a touchdown against Michigan state in the season opener. So maybe if you just want a, a brief look at, you know, what he might look like in the big 10, you know, if he's going to make enough plays and he is active in the passing game, then I think he'll have enough value to, you know, again, be flex worthy or maybe, maybe more than that. I, I guess I'm putting my eggs in his basket. I mean, I think Zach Evans will be involved, though. But I think they'll run it enough where right, right. Evans can be involved and it's still fine. Who's this quarterback? Uh, uh, the Greek? Uh, they call him the Greek Alton, something. Yeah. Alton Kalamikis or something like that. I don't know. He he doesn't yeah. seem like a guy that can 
hit the what do they call it? What do they say? The, a broadside of the barn or something like that, right? Like I don't think he can, he can't hit a the ocean from the boat type of thing. I don't know, Andrew. Are you a believer in him at all? Not really. So I've I've been trying to listen to all the summer school podcasts as well. I enjoy them for a few different reasons. One of which, like there, what else? There's not that much else to listen to. To um, while I try and track down a lot of like digital print type uh, stuff on schools, like it's great that when you could just throw on some audio and have it come to you for uh, a lot of these schools, some of which are like trickier to track down information on. It is tough, even though Bud Elliott is trying to ask very pointed, direct questions and sift through the bs uh to some degree even though i'm sure you wouldn't phrase that way since he works with these people um that they're like a lot there's a, a ton of a ton of fluff it's really difficult for like to, for these these people to say anything disparaging about the programs a lot of times which is what, what you want to hear you want to hear like the, the true strengths and negatives and a lot like you listen to some of these a lot of them and it's like uh, like the, <laughs> did you listen to the arizona one uh yeah 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 that that bud bud pointed out like they were 126 in defense uh or something last year and they like half the program transferred out on the defensive side and he's like so you think they're gonna be better and worse he's like well they're gonna be better um because they got a lot of transfers in too it's like okay great so like okay you're not gonna actually say anything actually um meaningful and negative even when it's justified about the program and a lot of them are like that um, yeah. The other Who's thing that, step up that re- wide receiver proceeds to name every single wide receiver. On right. The that's, that's the other thing I was going <laughs> to say. It's like there are a lot of the responses to questions where that we're looking for. Right. It's like, OK, like especially when you're talking about programs that, you know, there's like generally a money position within that program that's going to pay off from a fantasy perspective. I just want to hear who's going to play that role. And you usually get like two to three to four names. And it's like, OK, that's not fucking helpful. <laughs> Well, we know that Chris Altman Bell, who has stats <laughs> back to 2018 on ESPN, right. is probably their number one receiver. But I actually uh, think the tight end, Span Ford, has a little bit of sleeper upside. Uh, I, I, he was big for me in the in the Big Ten best ball last year. And, you know, it's a, it, tight end is such a scarce <laughs> position. You know, anybody that is like the tight end on a team that is lacking targets, I'm kind of interested in. So I, I feel like he could maybe have some touchdown upside. I want to believe in the transfer receivers because they were so they were like Elijah Spencer was awesome at Charlotte and I have him in in Dynasty League. I drafted a little bit of him last year too, but like it's it feels tough to go from Charlotte uh, to to Minnesota. That wide receiver room is pretty. I think it's like it's pretty fun, and part of the idea with Minnesota right is that this year they are potentially shifting away from the run more to the pass. So with coordinator change and stuff like that, getting back to uh, prior years, uh, primo flack, who knows if it's true, but yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't drafted span four and largely out of ignorance. Uh, I don't, but I, you could see it, right. You could see how it could, how it could pay dividends. Somebody's right. got to catch passes. Uh, right. Somebody has to. So. And I think there is a, a vibe that they will pass more. Like it feels like, and it, you know, it does kind of line up with their skill room, right? Their running backs aren't as fun or appealing looking as the receiver group that we just discussed being good names, Altman Bell, Spencer, et cetera. Spanford, I think Spanford for sure. You make a great point. You're, you're a starting tight end. That's like an actual name that's been said out loud by people. You already have a leg up. And then, you know, maybe the targets around them aren't the most exciting. 
then you get in there. But I think his his is more like talent, and we've seen some past success rather than completely bare room. So, right, forty two catches for five hundred yards. He was their leading receiver last year. So it's pretty big. Um, That's a yeah. pretty big tight end number. Tight end gets real weird real quick. Um, but yeah, I think we knocked out pretty much every single team. I think the last one would be Maryland, but we touched on them. It's a little bit lengthy on the show. I think we wrap it up. Yeah, um, Brandon, appreciate you hopping on and, and being our guinea pig. You obviously do work on your own, right? You said you have a Michigan State podcast. Do you want to maybe pitch a little bit about where that people can find your uh, Michigan State takes as podcast yeah. as well as uh, be ready for those heated moments when Michigan State <laughs> or college football does something crazy? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Brandon the Champ. That's spelled with an A. Unfortunately, some some guy in Nebraska who has like 12 tweets and he hasn't <laughs> tweeted since 2009 has Brandon the champ. So I keep tweeting at him to delete it. So that's unfortunate, but yeah, I mean, I'm a journalist in the day job, uh, a big J journalist as, as they like to call us. But uh, yeah, I, I cover a lot of different things, including sports, but I host our Michigan state podcast called Spartan confidential. Uh, it's with our B reporters for the college, uh, the guys who cover the basketball team and the football team. So it's very, very comprehensive, but very much Michigan State focused. So, uh, if you're a Big Ten fan, you might find it interesting. But it's uh, it's definitely geared towards the diehards uh, of the green and white. So, I get to go on there and be a fanboy with the two, you know, serious reporters. So <laughs> it's, it's, Do you it's guys nice. ever have you ever ventured into the CFF world at on that show, or do you always keep it like? Has there ever been a breakdown of like CFF potential by skill players or is that not, uh, not a thing? Nah, not I, I wish, man, I would love to do that. I mean, I, I'm glad you guys invited me because I've been definitely chomping at the bit to talk a little more CFF. I mean, I, I would, like I said off the top, I'm still kind of, I would consider myself still kind of a novice, but you know, I get to play with, you know, some pretty good players like your guy, like yourself and others I listen to. So I would love to talk more, but yeah, we, we keep it mostly on the field. I mean, recruiting, uh, we'll talk about, you know, some culture stuff every once in a while. But, you know, we focus on basketball just as much as football on that show because, well, it's Michigan State. You yeah, know, totally. so. <laughs> it makes do sense. You still, do you still uh, pod about movies? I do. Yeah, I, I have a uh, movie podcast called Second Day Film Podcast, but that's more just for fun. little side thing that I do no uh, doubt. on the side. So, have, you watched, uh, have you watched New Guardians yet or no? I have not. I was... Uh, soon i i hadn't seen ant-man so i was waiting for that to come out on disney plus so i oh yeah I just finished I'm, I'm, that. Yeah. i'm so far behind on all marvel stuff but my daughter wanted to go see new guardian so we, we went this weekend um yeah i'm a little nervous i think i might cry i don't know oh dude but... yeah yeah Mul- multiple <laughs> times bro multiple times but it it get like i don't know how you felt about one versus two but this was a lot closer to guardians one than two like it, it's awesome nice well, I yeah. appreciate you guys inviting me, man. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. It was a good time. I, I mean, you've been playing a long time. You're relevant in the space for sure. All of us CFFers that have been around forever certainly know the name and won't be hitting follow um, for sure by the <laughs> by the time this is over. We're all we're already following. Already following is what I mean. Oh, I got you. Right. I got you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I know no, we got no, a Michigan, no. Michigan State going on here thing, no, but it's okay, you, man. They've already hit it, so they don't have to do it again is my point. But uh, anyways, hope everybody enjoyed the show. And, and I don't know what conference we're going to do next, but we basically lined up somebody for every single conference to chat with. Uh, a lot of familiar names, maybe one or two that you do have to hit the follow button on. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, we'll enjoy it. Hope everybody enjoys it and have a great uh, rest of your week. Thanks, guys.